you have your Bibles this morning, Acts chapter 26. <clears throat> Acts chapter 26. From the moment Paul was saved and brought into a relationship with the Lord, he gave it all. He surrendered everything to him. We should be completely inspired by the missionary journeys of Paul. Everywhere he went, he had an extreme commitment and focus in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ or the Great Commission as we refer to it. In Acts chapter 21, Paul's been arrested in Jerusalem. And he was arrested in Jerusalem because he was preaching the resurrection of Jesus and the Jews were not accepting of that. Chapter 23, he was sent from Jerusalem to Caesarea and in Caesarea, Paul is under house arrest. But even under house arrest, for preaching the resurrection of Jesus, he is still sharing the gospel. He's still developing relationships with leaders and other believers. And eventually, through all of this, Paul gets an opportunity to speak to King Agrippa. And when he does, he has the opportunity to make an appeal to King Agrippa and then eventually to Caesar in Rome. And Paul, at that point, did not just make an appeal for his life because he was under the sentence of being put to death, but more importantly, he made an appeal for the gospel. And today, I want us to, to look at Paul's life, to look at these events that took place, the inspiring story of Paul and his encounter with the risen Christ. In Acts chapter 26, he recounts this. It's not the event itself, but he recounts it. And he becomes a witness. And he's standing firm before King Agrippa, passionately recounting this journey and these events from darkness to light. That's how he defines it. From darkness to light. And through Paul's testimony, we can discover the transformative power of God's grace and His calling on our lives as well. So let's look at the text. We won't read the entire chapter today for the sake of time, but, but there are some things here that I want us to notice. Beginning the very first verse, And Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. And then Paul stretched out his hand and proceeded to make his defense. In regards to all of the things of which I am accused by the Jews, I consider myself fortunate, King Agrippa, that I am about to make my defense before you today, especially because you are an expert in all customs and questions among the Jews. And therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. So then all the Jews know my manner of life from my youth up, which from the beginning was spent among my own nation and at Jerusalem. Since they have known about me from long time previously, if they are willing to testify that I lived as a Pharisee according to the strict sect of our religion. There's an important word. And now I'm standing 
uh, <clears throat> trial for the hope of the promise made by God to our Father. A promise which our twelve tribes hope to obtain as they earnestly serve God night and day. And for this hope, O King, I am accused by the Jews. Why is it considered incredible among you people if God does raise the dead? So I want you to think about Paul for just a moment. And the first thing I want us to recognize is this, the darkness of Paul's past. The darkness of Paul's past. He begins by acknowledging his upbringing as a devout Pharisee, strictly adhering to the traditions of his father. He testified to his relentless pursuit uh, of the followers of Jesus. If we read on in the chapter, again, we're not going to read the whole chapter, but he talks about how he pursued them. If they were followers of Jesus, how he pursued them, how he went after them to put them in prison. He even goes so far as to say that when they were being tried or it was being determined as whether they would be put to death or not, he voted against them or voted for them to be put to death. This is his past. This is where he comes from. And as we look at that today and, and think about the zeal that he had we think about the depths of the darkness. And that in the midst of the de- depths of that darkness, God still reached out to him. I want you to think about that for a moment. I mean, this is a guy who literally was attacking Christians, putting them in prison, and voting for them to be put to death because they believed in Jesus. And in the midst of that, God reaches out to him. What I want us to know and to see and to understand in regards to that today is that just living religious, that's the word he used, right? Religion. Remember, I brought a note to that. Religion. He was practicing a religion. He was going through the motion of of the expectations. He was going through uh, the things that they should do. And, And he was doing all of those things with a lot of zeal, with a lot of energy, with a, with a lot of, of conviction and faithfulness and determination. And he felt he was doing what he was supposed to do and was doing what was right, but it was religious. Sometimes it can be dangerous to live a religious life, to go through the motions, to do all the right things the way that we're supposed to do them, because that's what he was doing. He was being, as a Pharisee, other places, he said, in regards to the law, he said, I was blameless. In other words, he said, I followed all the rules. I did exactly what was expected of me to do religiously. He was saying that, listen, if it was time to go to church, I went to church. It was the temple for them, but he went. If it was about giving, I gave. If, if it was about serving, I served. If it was about standing up for God, I stood up for God. All of these religious things, I did. I did them to the point that I would be considered blameless in regards to them. He thought, he felt, he was convinced he was doing the right thing. Sometimes we have to be careful that we don't just follow in rote or or follow after what has gone before us. In regards to our ancestors, our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, and those before them, hey, we're doing exactly what they did. We're following in their footsteps. That's what he was doing. But it was a dangerous place to be because he was practicing religion. 
and he was being religious. Sometimes we need to be careful about just being religious. Sometimes we need to be careful about just going through the motions of doing the right things and being convinced then that that makes everything okay. That makes everything all right. Because I'm doing the things that I am expected to do. And yet, when we look at that, we have to understand that God reached out to him and said, No, you're going down the wrong path. You're doing the wrong thing. And there needs to be a change in your life. Now, a couple of things about that. The first thing is this, is that I want us to see that just as God's grace found Paul while he was in the midst of his darkness, God's grace can find us in the midst of our darkness. God didn't say to Paul, listen, hey, on the road to Damascus, here's a blinding light message. Get everything straightened out in your life. Stop doing what you're doing and start doing the right things that you should be doing. Clean up all this mess and all the wrong things in your life and then come to me. He didn't say that. He he stopped him with a blinding light on the road to Damascus and he called him then and there in the midst of his darkness for him to follow him. For Paul to come after Christ. And I want you to know that it doesn't matter. If you've been going through the motions, if you've been doing the religious thing and religiously acting like you think you should act, but yet you feel like there's something missing in your life and you're in a religious darkness, God can call you from that. If you're living in some other way, if you're living in sin, if you're living in a darkness that isn't religious, but you're living in that darkness, God can call you from that. And He does not require that we come with everything fixed and everything straightened out and everything all right before He calls us or accepts us. Paul, for all practical intents and purposes, was a bully who was persecuting Christians and having them put to death. And God called him in the middle of that and said, I need you on my side. And we need to understand He can do the same for us. That's God's grace. Second thing I want us to see is this, the encounter with the risen Christ. On the road, beginning in verse 12, we know the story. He was on the road to Damascus. He tells this story. There was a blinding light. He fell back. Everybody that was with him fell down. And they heard this voice, and the voice said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's response and said, who are you? And he said, what do you mean, who am I? I'm the one you're persecuting. I'm God. I'm the Son of God. I'm Christ Jesus. And I'm the one that you're battling against. Think about the events that unfold in regards to his life and an encounter with a risen Christ that suddenly he began to realize that it wasn't about religion. It was about a relationship. It wasn't about religion and going through the motions and doing all the right things and obeying the law and behaving in a certain way. It was about knowing the risen Christ. It was about having a relationship with the Son of God who had died for his sins. And suddenly he began to realize through that encounter that his life would be changed forever. It was dramatically changed, it was emphatically changed, and it was eternally changed. And he recognized that there had to be a transition from this religious thing that he was doing to a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And he recognized that God was calling him to that, that God was providing him the opportunity for that, and in understanding that out of his darkness, God called him into a relationship. And I want us to understand that when we encounter Christ, it may not be a dramatic, blinding light on the road somewhere. It may not be this incredible, overwhelming, or overcoming experience that we've never had before in our life. But when we encounter Christ, and we enter into a relationship with Him, our life is changed eternally. Our life is changed forever. And that's what happened to Saul, who became Paul, on the road to Damascus. His life was changed eternally. It was changed as never before. And then he received a commission to proclaim. Now, I want you to notice something as we read through this chapter. Paul doesn't quote book, chapter, and verse. Paul doesn't give a, an executed plan. He just tells King Agrippa what's happened in his life. He said, hey, here are the events. This is who I was. This is the darkness that I was living in. This is what happened. I encountered the risen Christ. And the risen Christ changed my life and changed my heart forever. I will never be the same. And I have been called to continue to share that message with other people. And that's all he's doing in this story that he tells King Agrippa as he goes through the process. He's saying, listen, all the things that I've done, I'm imprisoned. Three times prior to this, people have tried to put me to death for just preaching the resurrection of Jesus. And I will not stop. I will continue to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to note, let's drop down a little bit later in the chapter and see exactly some of the things that, the, that we, uh, we see happening and what King Agrippa says. He says in verse 27, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets... I know that you do. This is Paul speaking. Now listen in 28. And Agrippa replied to Paul, In a short time you will persuade me to become a Christian. And listen, he said, It's not going to take much for you to make me be a follower of Christ. Well, what was the persuasion? The persuasion wasn't some eloquent speech. It wasn't some, you know, rehearsed or prepared, you know, a plan of salvation that he wanted to share. It wasn't quoting book, chapter, and verse. He just was telling what had happened in his life. He was just sharing the events from the darkness to the light. He was sharing the encounter of, a, of the risen Christ in his own life, the conversion that happened. And he was just sharing with him uh, his testimony about Jesus Christ and what he meant to his life. And in that sharing of that testimony, King Agrippa says, listen, in a short time, you persuade me to be a Christian. You are really close to bringing me over to, to what you're talking about. Why? Because he simply was telling his story. He simply was allowing God to use him in this situation and circumstance. Now, I want you to notice what it goes on and says. If we continue those last few verses, I think this is critically important. And Paul said, I would to God that whether in a short time or a long time, not only you but also all who hear me this day, might become such as I am, except for these chains. In other words, that they might become followers of Jesus, just as he is, except without the chains. And the king arose, and the governor and Bernice, and those who were sitting with them, 
And when they had drawn aside, they began talking to one another, saying, This man is not doing anything worthy of death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Now, isn't that interesting? Here's a guy who, who found an audience with King Agrippa who shared his testimony about what God had done in his life and how he had changed him. And Agrippa says, you know, almost you persuaded me in a short time to be a Christian as well. But when they pulled aside, he said, listen, this guy hasn't done anything worthy of death, not even imprisonment. And really, he should be set free, except for one thing. According to the law, he's made an appeal to Caesar in Rome. And we have to allow that to happen. So Paul stayed imprisoned when he did not have to be imprisoned. Why? In order that he might have an audience with Caesar and share with him the message of Jesus Christ. He was willing to stay in chains. He was willing to stay imprisoned in order that he might have a chance, just an opportunity to say something on behalf of Jesus Christ to Caesar in Rome. That's how sold out he was to sharing the Great Commission. That's how committed he was to being faithful. And I want to encourage you today that no matter what our darkness might have been in the past or today, God can call us out of that darkness by His grace. When we encounter Jesus Christ, it doesn't have to be dramatic or amazing, but we encounter Jesus Christ, the risen Son of God, that, that we then are transformed, that we are made new in Him, and we have an opportunity to have eternal life. And when we do that, then He calls us, like He called Paul, to share that testimony and that witness with the lost world. And my prayer is today that we all would be inspired by Paul. That we all would be encouraged that, that there is something that I can do for the kingdom of God. There is a message that I can share in regards to what God has done in my life and for my life. And he went from having a religion to having a relationship. He, he went to, to being in the realm of Satan to being in the realm of a savior. His life was transformed and changed as never before. And, and I want us to think about that. And ask ourselves the question this morning, what extremes would we go to to share the gospel with other people? What, what, what measures would we take in order to ensure that someone else hears the message of Jesus Christ, the risen Savior and the Son of God, and that, that they might have the same opportunity to come out of darkness to light, that they might have the same opportunity to come out of religion into a relationship, that they might be able to, to have the same experience that we've had in knowing Christ Jesus. He calls us out of darkness into light. And He calls us as His bride, as His church, as His body to share that message with the lost world. And my challenge is that every one of us would be willing to share with someone else our testimony of what Jesus Christ has done for us in our lives. Well, this morning we're going to sing an invitation hymn.